1: Out of Bounds show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia,
2: Mississippi. Uh, good morning. Welcome in. The big basketball tournament over the next several weeks, powered by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. Full bar and food, plus a top 100 golf course, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, all an hour away from here. That's a good 24, 48 hours. Hit Philip M's too. Great old, old style steakhouse. The Golden Moon Casino, Sportsbook and Lounge, and DancingRabbitGolf.com. Brought to you by the Big, Big, Big Hoops Tournament over the next few weeks. We'll see if Mississippi State can punch their ticket on Friday. No, sorry, Thursday. I'll be there. Heading to Nashville today. And uh, they play tomorrow morning at, uh, well, lunch, noon. MSU in Florida. They win? I think most people believe they're in. They lose? I don't think so, but maybe they have a shot. This is 105.9 The Zone ESPN. You can watch the show right now on YouTube. Search Out of Bounds Sports. You can see that we have a Tito's Vodka helmet on the set. And a Mississippi State football helmet signed by Fred Smoot. And a super cool Ole Miss uh bag cooler that we're excited about. We're also excited to welcome in our friend, Tom Luganville, ESPN insider college football. Um, and really we can go NFL with Luke's because he follows these guys from high school to college. He joins us on the farm bureau insurance guest line. We've been discussing this, uh, what the sec may do. Are they going to stay at eight with Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year? Eight conference games. Or are they going to go to nine? Um, Nick Saban kind of threw a fit um, last week on what is rumored to be if they go to nine, Alabama's three permanent opponents. Nobody feels sorry for Alabama or Nick Saban. Uh, (laughs) It it would be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. They're the number one recruiter. They've been the number one recruiter with Georgia. You know, we'll see. Um, Tom, this debate is going to shake out here over the next 60 to 90 days. There's also some talk that if they do this, they may not play as many Power 5 non-conference games. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have more isolation in college football. And I don't think that's what people want. As somebody who flies all over the country to call games, and at times you get different conference matchups before everybody gets into conference play. um, I have been talked into the fact that it is good for the ACC and SEC and Big Ten and Big 12 and Pac-12 to play some football against each other rather than them never playing each other. What do you think, Tom Luganville?
1: No, I I agree. The problem is the coaches are always going to push back on that if you go to nine games, and they're going to want to schedule a group of five or an FCS opponent uh, early in the season and, of course, late in the season. Um, that's That's their kind of nature of doing things because particularly late in the year, and the SEC takes a lot of flack for this, but I don't fault them because I'd do the same thing or I would want to. You get into the back half of that season, man, it is a battle of attrition. And if you don't have a bye fall in the right place, which most default teams don't have a bye falling in the right place in the last three to four weeks, they look at that as a bit of a breather. If they can schedule, you know, a, a Western Carolina there or a, you know, pick your school. Uh, somebody that that's Wofford. not going to be overly yeah, waffle. for it's not going to be overly competitive for you. And now you get to play some of your young guys, rest some of your older guys. Not that you want to call it a bye week, but in essence, that's kind of how they're looking at it. So, yeah, would we would we have less opportunities to play power five versus power five from other conferences if you go to to nine games? Absolutely, I think the coaches would unanimously band together and say all right, if we're doing this nine thing, um, and I hope this wouldn't happen, but it could because I think that kickoff weekend where you have the Chick-fil-A kickoff and you have some of these neutral site deals like we've had, you know, in Arlington and, you know, you get a, a, an Alabama versus a, a Wisconsin or you get, you know, a, a Clemson versus, you know, whoever, name your school that you wouldn't normally see. It would be interested to see if those teams that have been more than willing to do those would now choose to opt out of them. Because it's a big game against a big opponent, the the but if, if I'm an Alabama bow, I would opt to play that game early because you're going to have distinct advantages personnel wise and take advantage of a team that maybe doesn't know who they are yet.
2: True, true. That that's a good point. Um, you know, an extra game is is tough on on some programs that have proven they can be really good at times. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, South Carolina. Um, Yeah, sometimes Kentucky, Missouri, and even that second tier of Auburn and Tennessee is they're not in A&M, although I may put A&M in the Mississippi State Ole Miss tier, uh, considering they really haven't won big. We just talk about them because they are so big um, as far as resources and enrollment and money. But, you know, you've got the elite Luke's in Alabama, Georgia and LSU. Okay, that that those are the three teams in the league. And Auburn can be. And, no doubt. And and I think Freeze will we'll get them there. Okay. Yeah. Combination of recruiting and transfers and how good he is with the QB. I think I I think he can make up the gap at times, certain years, on Georgia, Bama, and LSU, especially at home, and beat them and put himself in position for the twelve team playoff. But right. but on some years where you pull four at home and five on the road on a nine game schedule, even an Auburn, Tennessee. A and M could find themselves in a in a bad spot and just trying to fight for a mid tier bowl game, Tom.
1: Yeah, you you could, and and depending on how top to bottom strong league is, you know, I what you what you brought up there, I kind of go back to you know some of the the comments that Nick Saban said about his potential common three every year, and he doesn't like it. Well, if you were to base that opinion off of the last, let's just say, seven years, then Alabama should be ecstatic about it being um, Auburn and LSU and Tennessee. But Nick Saban knows what Auburn and Tennessee are capable of being. And up until this past fall, shoot, I think over the last 10 years, Tennessee's won like 30% of their game. Like they, they, they haven't even been in the mix. So I think what worries Nick Saban is that He's aware of what Tennessee and Auburn are capable of being, and he's looking at it from that perspective, not from the perspective of what they've been the last five to seven years. So now, to your point, all of a sudden Auburn gets really good, Tennessee gets really good, Alabama we're going to assume is going to is going to stay at or near the top. You've got Georgia. We don't know what's going to happen with Florida. uh, You know, ascending. there, there's got, somebody's got to lose, I guess, is what I'm trying right. to get out. No matter how good everybody gets, somebody is going to lose, and then you find yourself in a position where you could be a really good football team, and maybe be a better football team than the top two to three teams in another Power Five conference, but it won't matter.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons.
1: Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Well, and here's where I am now with it. Tom Luganbill, ESPN insider on the Out of Bounds show. Um, Blake, it was getting on me during the break because, you know, when, when Sankey and them did the power five non-conference mandate, I was like, uh, what are we doing here? I'd rather stay at eight and keep the power five, you know, non-con and play ACC and big 12 and Pac 12 and big 10 teams. And, but there's and, no and
1: guarantee that's going to happen, Bo. That's the thing. Is, no, there's no guarantee you're going to get that.
2: But and I like the the one permanent and rotating seven and you you miss you know you miss Alabama and lSU every year you get them every other year if you're state and' Ole miss and yeah. Arkansas and so on. I just think that's a better spot and then you get to play around the country and they come see you. I think that's better and healthier for college football than the latter of what we're talking about if we go to a nine game conference schedule and they don't ask you to do the power five. Non-con, which means ADs will not do it, Luke. Now, Alabama may do it because they can. Georgia yeah. may do it. But I, I can tell you this. I've talked to AD, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, if they have any kind of good ADs, Arkansas, South Carolina, Kentucky, n- no way I would. Now, I know that they're tied in. And, look, I think if you go to nine games, I wonder if you keep Clemson, South Carolina, and Florida, Florida State. I wouldn't if I was Scott Strickland. I'd be like, we're out. we we got to find a way to win enough games. <laughs> I would lose. It's about winning games. It It, it well, that's is. That's how
1: this conversation started. Is you're going to lose those power five matchups because the schools that think they're going to be at a distinct disadvantage within their own conference aren't going to be willing to make it harder on themselves out of conference.
2: So, well, and, and Blake just mentioned we may be moving towards a power four. And again, I don't know what that looks like. Um, but... It, it it's a matter of how much ESPN Disney throws at the SEC. And and also, will the SEC cannibalize themselves and take slots away from themselves in this new expanded 12-team playoff? See, if, if I'm saying, I'm sitting here thinking, we're already winning titles. Some of yours, we're sending two to the 14 playoff. Hell, if we stay at eight, I may could gobble up another two spots out of those 12 spots, and we'll all be riding high. What are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of legitimacy uh, to that line of thinking, but they also may think they're good enough anyway. Even if you do it, go to nine, you're still going to get at least half the slots, right? I mean, you, you really are. I mean, if you if you think if you think about it, and, and then you'll feel good maybe even six to eight of the slots, and you'll feel good about who you're getting matched up against because you're going to probably have the better football team. So what you could end up having is almost an entirely SEC remaining pool, potentially. So let's just say if um, Tennessee had another really, really good year, they finished 10-2, and two. they don't play in the SEC championship game, but they become the seventh seed in the college right. football playoff, all right? And then you look at who they may play. Well, what if it's Baylor out of the Big 12? Well, who's the better team between those two, right? I mean, I'm just hypothesizing here. Sure, Tennessee is. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're also looking at it um, through the lens of who would our, I don't want to call lower tier, but who would our back-end teams that would make the college football playoff, if we're the SEC, who would they be playing in that first round? And they would probably feel like they've got advantages regardless of who that
2: opponent is. I agree. The overwhelming majority of the time. Okay.
1: Hell, it, it could be a group of five teams. I mean, it, it, it could be it, on any given year. If, if that's the 12th or 11th team, now you've got real advantages.
2: You do. Although I, I really wonder how that's going to work going forward now that uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston will be heading to the Big 12. There's just only so many heavily populated areas. That could really have the juice at the G five level, Luke's right. And we're kind yeah. of we're shifting those guys into Power Five, and yeah. there's I don't know how many more. Since you know Central Florida, you know this. You're always down in Orlando, great area. Yeah. You can you can find dudes. Cincinnati, you can find dudes in Houston. Dude, Houston is the biggest gold mine. They don't sure. even have
1: to get on a plane to recruit.
2: No. And and not
1: a single coach on that staff has to get on an airplane to recruit.
2: I just That's wonder amazing. how many more teams there are like that, you know, around the country that can that can be what developing to build what they did and then, you know, find themselves in the in a power five company for our there listeners, those teams are going to the big twelve, just in case you you forgot. Now, yeah.
1: And you know what? A team like App State would be in that conversation. A team like Boise would be in that conversation. The problem is to your point, they're not in a heavily populated area, uh, which makes what they've done even more impressive.
2: It is. I don't think they can do what the, the what we just referenced can do, but I you're right, they're UTSA they're really good programs.
1: UTSA is the one team because they are gonna have distinct advantages because of where they reside.
2: True. Yeah, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, all that. All right, let's switch gears. Uh, um, you have covered Lamar Jackson since he was in high school, and yeah. he goes on to U of L, and then, um, and then of course he's had a good NFL career. A- and it looks like the NFL owners are not going to do what Jimmy Haslam did with the Cleveland Browns and guarantee all that money to Deshaun Watson. And they're just like, no. And and that's the contract he wants. Um, right. Now, talk about him as far as skills. He's uh, he's had an MVP year. He's also had some ups and downs. I think he's still trying to develop in the pocket a little bit more, probably. Uh, refine yeah. his skills from the pocket. He's obviously can, can, can hurt you with his feet um, and, and legs. You know, when you look at him and his progressions from high school to college to the NFL – um, what do you see with Lamar Jackson and some team's going to spend two hundred million? They're not going to guarantee the the Deshaun deal, but you can't somebody's do gonna that Yeah, no, no.
1: I mean, I don't, it, and that's not a knock against uh, against Lamar Jackson. That that's an indictment on the Cleveland Browns in a collision sport where there's a high rate of injury to the most important position on the field, and you're going to guarantee that type of money. That's just that's just not that's not a good business deal. That's bad business. Agreed. Right? And and it's not a knock on Lamar. But to answer your question, I don't think Lamar would be where he is today without Bobby Petrino. And I say that, and and I I just so happen to have two Louisville games the year he won the Heisman, and I had the Louisville spring game going into that season. And one of the things that Bobby Petrino did during the 15 days of spring football that year is he did not allow – Lamar Jackson to play out of the shotgun everything they did in every offensive snap was under center within the pocket three-step five-step forced him to stay with progressions even when he didn't like it when his instincts told him he could take off and run he coached him hard and tried to create some discipline because he could see that he had the skill as a passer but his natural instinct, he's so athletic that when things aren't quite right, he's going to take off and run, right? And I think that he made such strides with Lamar Jackson and improved him so much as an in-pocket guy that he added to the arsenal. He he added something that maybe Lamar didn't have coming out of high school, his freshman, redshirt freshman year, and that had to be honed and developed. And, and credit Lamar, who, you know, was was all in on, 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 on buying in, and I think is a better player as, as a result of it. I, I look at it this way. The way he plays, I'm not saying it's dangerous or reckless, but I'm saying in that league there is risk, mm-hmm. and that scares people. All right? And I think that's fair. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that Daniel Jones is getting $40 million and Lamar Jackson is getting 32, come on, man. Like, what, what are we doing here? Right. Um, and so I think you got to pay him. I think you got to pay him above market value. I don't think there's ever going to be guaranteed for anybody. It doesn't matter who it is anymore. It's cause it's bad business. And those who continue to, I think, live in that world and make bad business decisions are going to be out of a job at some point or another. And, um, and so that's my take on it.
2: Okay
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
2: 18 plus. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud fuel innovation with responsible AI and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human led and tech powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at the new So we'll see what the Ravens do. Um, you know, he's not going to get the Deshaun, the, the other 31 owners have decided they're not going down that road again. And so, by, and he's representing himself. Tom Luganville. How about that?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's overly smart. That's just my personal opinion. Sure. When you're dealing with in this magnitude of not just dollars, but relationships, conversations, um, tough conversations, sometimes, you know what? You need a bad guy. You can't be the bad guy, you know? And, and I would say that in my line of work and your line of work, if, you know, like I, I, I have to have relationships and answer to and in interact with my bosses that ultimately at the end of the day are also making contract decisions on me. Right. Right. And if things go sour, um, if things get heated, you don't want to fracture a relationship that could lead somebody to make an opinion or a decision that wasn't objective. And I think that's why you need the go between guy.
2: Right. Okay. Let's go to Aaron Rodgers. This is weird. He's weird, but he's so talented. <laughs> yeah. um, when was the first time you, you saw or, or met Aaron Rodgers?
1: Well, it's interesting because well, I haven't met him, but I've seen him play as a junior college guy. It's a little history here. When I was getting recruited out of junior college, and Jeff, Jeff Tedford loves junior college guys, um, and he was the offensive coordinator at Fresno State in those early 90s teams with Trent Dilton, those really, really good teams in the WAC. And um, and he had recruited me really, really hard. I maintained a longstanding relationship with him. And then, you know, he went on to be the offensive coordinator, of course, at Oregon As the offensive coordinator, of course, uh, at, at Cal and Fresno again and then back to become the head coach at Cal. And along the way, um, guys like myself, Akili Smith was a Juco guy that he took um, wow. and then there was this guy out of Butte college who, who was Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, uh, and it's interesting if you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers, even if you look at still shots of him at Cal, look at where he carries the ball and how he holds the ball and then watch him now and look at how different he is mechanically and his ability to change arm angles, flick of the wrist. Those were things that he couldn't do out of junior college, and I don't think he was really even doing them out of Cal. It was just something that he kind of, I think, developed over the years, and it's a totally different look and style of play from a release standpoint that he's kind of developed over the years.
2: Ah, okay. So Mahomes may have taken what he did and and taken it to another level. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what he he does. Um, Most people that that talented don't sit like he did. And, you know, whether he ends up with the Jets or somebody else. Yeah, it 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 you get the sense he's hard to deal with, but
1: who yeah. knows what's true and not yeah. true, right?
2: I mean I think the Packers not having an owner, it hurts them. To, you know? Luke's I, yeah, I just...
1: yeah, I think so. Not having that big boss that can get involved and that can say, "Hey, this is what we're doing or what we're not doing." And you, you may be right. You know, it's uh, it's just different. You know, and and that's why you know it, it, that used to be the criticism of of the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they didn't they didn't have a player personnel department. Like they didn't have scouts. All the coaches like did everything. It wow. was Still fairly true, and there was a lot of criticism. It's okay. Well, why aren't they as good as they should be?
2: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Years and years and years.
2: No wonder they weren't any good. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, now they got a dude at quarterback and some other good things. Um, and a good coach and so on. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with, with Aaron Rodgers. I like your, your take on Lamar Jackson. He needs to, you need to have a go between, you need to have an agent, um, to help you negotiate and be the bad guy and so on. All right, bud. Um, have a good week and we'll talk soon. Hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna text you and
1: Blake right now. Two still shots of Aaron Rodgers at Cal and at Green Bay, if you want to use for your social and stuff like that of the conversation we just had.
2: Okay. Yeah, I tell you what, man, Tedford underrated. I mean, he did an amazing job at Fresno and Cal. Oh and my goodness. Golly. He had that thing. And he-
1: everybody used to give him a hard time saying, Well, none of your quarterbacks pan out. Well, his job isn't to coach him in the NFL. His job is to win games in college.
2: Hey, hey. and look when when Pete Carroll w- was on his run at Southern Cal, the second best team in the Pac-10 at that time, now Pac-12, was Cal in 02, yep. 03, 04. You know, during that time, he had he had uh, Aaron and, and Marshawn Lynch and some other dudes. All right, buddy, have a great weekend. Appreciate you. All right. I just texted those pictures. You're going to giggle. <laughs> Tom Luganville, ESPN, National College Football Analyst, also doing the XFL. He joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. He believes without a doubt that Lamar Jackson, and Blake was over there shaking his head yes, that Lamar needs an agent to negotiate with whoever all these teams are, Blake, uh, obviously the Ravens, but the Falcons – among others, that could be in line for his services. And we'll see what shakes out with the uh, former MVP. He hasn't really done anything in the postseason. But he's electric. He's a big-time playmaker. Kids love him because on video games, he's, you know, amazing. So he's got that whole social media thing going because of his explosive plays. I think that gives him a little more juice than what he is. He's a good player. But I do think that gives him a little more juice. Because his clips, his 10-second clips on Twitter and and all that are are pretty damn amazing. Hey, don't forget that Mudbugs opens today. You want some crawfish or shrimp? Mudbugs, two locations in Rankin County, Reservoir and downtown Brandon. Mudbugs, best crawfish in Mississippi.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land.